0: Which is crazy because he got in a full fist fight in the first minute of the game. Uh, but hey, as they say in hockey, let's do that Welcome hockey. Welcome
1: to the latest episode of the Let's Do That Hockey podcast. Uh, this is your boy, Yolo Pinato, a.k.a. Chris Watkins. Um, and happy to be joined here today um, on this emergency podcast uh, uh, by Heart of Lad of Raw Charge. Uh, Heart of, how are you doing today?
2: Uh, pretty good, a bit of a crazy day. <laughs> I don't know. Um, uh, I don't know. I'm just, I'm, I'm doing okay. How are you?
1: Uh, you know, I, it, it is not quite a normal day for me personally. Uh, as I've said on Twitter a couple of times and, um, uh, you know, just share with friends and family. So I personally know, uh, all right. My, uh, family members, uh, specifically my sister-in-law, like personally knows the individual in uh, Wisconsin that was shot uh, she grew up with them uh, and so a lot of my friends and family are sort of being impacted by protests and you know the the back and forth that's going on in the media all that stuff like that you know it has a more personal connection to me than even uh, the other incidents that have happened earlier so it's been a interesting day to process all of, all of that going on but for the most part you know just getting through uh, but uh, you know before we get into that uh, we started the day uh, I guess on I won't say necessarily a lighter note, but I guess lighter in comparison uh, <laughs> yeah. to yeah, relative to, to, to sort of what happened later. But uh, you know, we saw a tweet from uh, Sharks captain Logan Couture uh, that indicated you know he was out, I guess, at a bar in Toronto. Like I, I'm trying to understand the dynamics. I'm in New York, so we're we're still in uh, sort of semi lockdown. So I don't know where this interaction would happen. Uh, but maybe you can. Uh, you can sort of inform us, but apparently he was at a bar, was saying something about, uh, you know, being interested in voting, you know, for uh, Republicans here in America, if he had the opportunity. And someone uh, apparently took offense to that and punched him in the face. Uh, I don't know. What were your thoughts around hearing the story originally? How how likely is this to happen in Toronto? Like, I I mean, I guess I'm just not familiar (laughs) enough with the landscape to know like that, it's, it's such a, a a hotbed of political opinion in Toronto uh, for that to happen.
2: Uh, yeah, I don't
0: know. Um, the, in Toronto, we're at. Oh. I
1: have no idea.
2: Okay, now I'm back. All right. So, uh, Toronto is in uh, what is called quote unquote stage three, which means people can go to restaurants and bars and they can go out and do stuff. Um, usually it's just on patios and outdoor. You can't really go inside like in like a club or something. So I have no idea what culture was, especially downtown. There might be like some, you know, some hidden away stuff. I have no idea. But yeah, um, he went uh, I, I found it really funny when I first, heard, when I first saw it because I was like of course of course it's <laughs> like hockey guy is like complaining about like saying how he feels and then like people not being okay with it right like right. that's a normal thing like you're not entitled to like not get shit on for a shitty opinion
1: <laughs> and like
2: so I was I found it really funny at first um I, in terms of Toronto like I, I feel like we care a lot here I think there's right. there's, a, there's a very like there's a lot of support for black Black Lives Matter and um, justice and equality and all of those things. I think a lot of people really care. And I think what happens in the states it it involves us. like we're we're here to like when Trump was elected, uh, Ontario got um a pretty right wing premier who's frankly an idiot. <laughs> uh, and like they have a, another very right wing person who is uh, who got nominated for. Um, the federal um, like seat for the opposition basically so like what what happens in the US affects us here we kind of feel it we have the same media we're kind of very intermingled even if it's somewhat of a one-way system so
0: yeah Toronto like I'm proud of
2: who punched him in the face because um yeah that should be what we stand for and uh, yeah punch Nazis <laughs>
1: Uh, <laughs> uh, and, and we have our uh, correspondent from the other location of Ooh. the NHL bubble, uh, Avery. Uh, can you hear us, man? I can hear you guys. How are you guys doing today? What's going hey. on?
0: pretty good. We're
1: good. doing we're doing all right, man. So we're, we were just talking about the Logan Couture uh, snafu. Uh, did yeah. it happen or did it not happen? You know, what were your thoughts, uh, sort of, when you saw that come across the Twitter timeline this morning?
0: Oh uh, well, I was in bed when I saw it. It was the first tweet i saw and the first thing i thought to myself was really this is what you bring a timeline and at nine o'clock in the morning this kind of comment actually <laughs> he was dragged for it because it was so dumb so ignorant and it's like who would toronto you get punched in toronto like that for saying that okay it's dumb i'm not surprised it happened if it did happen but happened in toronto and, you're, and no one's arrested. There's no witnesses. I thought it was a very dumb comment, very ignorant comment. I don't know why he decided to bring it upon all of us this morning, guys. So stupid.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. So there's oh, – uh, all right. So apparently there's some inconsistencies with the story or uh, whatever. So I guess, like, I don't want to get into the credibility of what Logan Kutcher said. Like, I, I wasn't there. I don't know. You know, maybe it'll come out that it did or did not happen. Uh, I think the other part that people were calling out was that he was saying that his dad was a, 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 he mentioned that his dad was a police officer. Um, And then people, some people apparently came out and said that his dad was a firefighter and all that stuff. And I'm like, (laughs) the the semantics (laughs) at this point, I have no idea. Uh, I I mean, I think what it did, I, I think what we can agree on as actual facts that happened was. Uh, in in aligning with the thread of thought that I've seen many times is that when NHL players in particular are asked to be more socially conscious um, and to uh, be more aware, I guess, of the issues happening off the ice, one of the key reasons that is stated that they don't do it is because, well, they're Canadian, they're European, they're not, you know, influenced or involved by American politics and, you know, racial dynamics X, Y, Z, Although we continuously see these examples where when these players do get involved, it is in a way that is not necessarily ignorant, but I guess, uh, you know, it, it, it's really having their head in the sand. So a couple of weeks ago we had, you know, Tuka Rass wearing the uh, Boston police uh, hat uh, right after the whole opening of the bubble and the uh, black lives matter, or we skate for black lives sign and all that stuff. Uh, we have the continual, a representation of the Stanley Cup winning teams at the White House. Um, and once again, the sort of go-to uh, reasoning for that is, oh, well, it's not political. This is a normal tradition. Uh, we're just going, it's an honor to be invited to the White House, and so on and so forth, uh, while all the other major sports have had significant players uh, decline that opportunity. So I just think it's interesting that uh, Logan Kutcher, you know, who, for whatever reason, decides to throw himself into the this mug, uh, uh, has said that these are things that he would support, which is fine. You can be, choose to support whoever you want to, uh, as it is, it is a free country. Um, the First Amendment, first off, the, uh, as I understand it, for the American uh, Constitution, n- does not apply in Canada. You all can correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, and it does not protect you from getting punched in the mouth for saying something stupid. Uh, that that it, It's to protect Congress uh from making laws against you for having your right to free speech uh but it's not prevent you from uh getting hit with the right cross so uh yeah i i i mean that's my personal take on it trying to be as objective as possible but but yeah i mean i don't know do you think this how i guess the question is how uh i guess how much do you think the line of thought like from someone like logan kutcher permeates nhl locker rooms at this point
0: Oh, wow. I was going to say, like, it's a it's a high number because there are, there's so many guys in the, in the, in the NHL who I yeah, mentioned come from uh, Europe, well-to-do backgrounds, or they're in these Canadian suburbs where they've never really encountered race. So they're never really considering, oh, what's the problem with me talking about someone supporting a Donald Trump and or supporting Democrats? Like, they never, they don't see what it means to support that side which is promoted hate, bigotry what not what have you they've been so ignorant to it so when they're facing um what's happening in, in the NBA and you be know, the, they're lost to it because they didn't really face that so that's mostly NHL I would say maybe like 70% of NHL locker rooms feel that way they only see an issue in all 31 teams right now
2: yeah like uh, for me it almost feels like hockey players are like half baked <laughs> when it comes to what like how they formulate their views on a lot of things like they'll take like one or two pieces of information, ignore the rest or like not even bother to think about it and then just go forward with that. So they like, if they see like Donald Trump, like lowering taxes for them, they'll just be like, Oh, great, cool. I'm into it. And then like, they'll just follow that and they won't care and they won't worry about anything else when there's a lot of other things to consider. Uh, Yeah. I don't know. For me, I I almost like, what I've noticed is like if say if like 1% of the NHL speaks out on things, um, and like say like whatever uh, how many percent Avery said like 70% are like yeah. in that mindset I feel like they, whoever's left they're just quiet they just want to stay quiet they want to be as quiet as they can that's hockey culture is keep your nose down right like just go do your job and don't talk about anything like that's what Logan Couture learned today that's what he tweeted after all this crap like they're just quiet and right now you, no one can be afford can afford to be quiet right now like the time for quiet is gone, like right. honestly. Yeah. yeah.
1: And, yeah no, and, I, and I think that's like 100% the point. Uh, it, one of the more recent articles I wrote for Raw Charge uh, was sort of highlighting that fact where, you know, in 2016, when Kyler Kaepernick, you know, first began, began kneeling uh, in protest of uh, police brutality, uh, there was a long and arduous struggle to even get any NHL players to come on and say anything. And, and obviously, J.C. Brown was the first one to dip its toe in the water, uh, which was what the article was about. Um, And so that was sort of the, you know, that's protesting one-on-one, you know, athlete protesting one-on-one is uh, sort of uh, kneeling in representation of that you're against police brutality, not against the American flag or the military or whatever BS reasoning that, you know, people were assigning to it, but just against police brutality by kneeling. Um, And then as you've seen over, especially over the past, you know, three three or four months, that has escalated far past that point. Uh, but within the NHL, it was such a, well, you know, these four players are kneeling and even that took like pulling teeth and, uh, you know, players like Robin Leonard and, you know, Tyler Seguin, and, and kudos to them for, you know, making the gesture, but that was so past, hey, like four or five years ago, like that, we're way past that point. And I think, you know, to your point, Hardiv, it's, it is representative of just a overall ignorance and uh, to be frank, a privilege that NHL players have as a mostly and significantly predominantly white league of uh, very well-to-do individuals, many of them who do come from other countries, but uh, that uh, Canada being the primary one, that does not mean that these things don't happen in Canada. Obviously I'm not Canadian, but uh, from what I understand, racism also exists in Canada as well. Uh, police brutality uh, a systemic oppression for marginalized groups that exist there and so for them to take this stance that no I'm not going to stand out I'm not going to say anything about this I want to focus on the game on the ice that's unfortunately a privilege that you know players of color who are playing this sort of hockey don't have and particularly players of color in other sports uh, who are more significant population can't ignore and then people of color you know women they can't ignore these things anyways like these are just part of your life, you know, uh, Avery and I and yourself, you know, we can't just walk around and pretend like, Oh, everything is fine. You know, everybody is given the equal opportunity in society because that's not the case. And so for NHL players to take that stance is just cowardice at, at its finest, uh, to be honest. And so, yeah, I mean, I think it's very interesting uh, to to sort of transition to the, to the next part of it. And I think Avery sort of brought this up. One of the key quotes that stood out to me for baseball in particular, uh, was, uh, I think Adam Wainwright of the St. Louis Cardinals, I believe, uh, said, you know, did I necessarily understand the Black Lives Matter protests when they were happening or, uh, sort of why people were taking this particular stance after, uh, the death of George Floyd? No, but my black teammates told me it was important. And so therefore they're my teammates and what's important to them is important to me. And that's where they decided to support them in that particular protest. Um, we have not seen this sort of same level of response from uh, the NHL. Uh, I'm curious as to why you all think that that is the case.
0: Well, again, it goes, it goes back to, again, with, with just pure ignorance. And it's unfortunate because if you're a Logan Couture, how do you look at Evander Kane or even someone you played against years ago like Joel Ward and say, you know, this is my stance? Or if you're, say, someone on the Oilers, how do you look at someone like a Darnell nurse and not feel that way it's really odd to me but it again it's just ignorance of so many guys who grew up in these suburbs who just didn't feel affected by this because they never they ever encountered it be it in Sudbury, ontario be it in um uh Brantford, uh winnipeg whatever market they just didn't feel that That's plain and simple the matter of it is that you know just ignorance they, didn't, they never came across it so now when they're seeing this now they just can't feel empathy to their black teammates and other teammates
2: of color, and it's unfortunate. Yeah, it's, it's extremely, like, backwards when you think about what hockey culture is in terms of, like, if your player if your teammate gets hit, you have to go fight the guy that hit him. Like, you have to stand up for your teammates, and then now you know, there's no standing up for each other. You don't give a shit. No one cares about each other. They just care about themselves, and they care about what looks good, right? They only care about what looks good, not what is good. Right? So if, if you have a teammate out there like Evander Kane or whoever, anyone, anyone who cares about this uh, situation, you don't stand up with them, you're not their teammate, right? You're not their captain. Logan Couture is a captain in the NHL. Right. It, does he deserve that seat? No, because he doesn't stand up for the people that are with him. It's just bullshit. It's so, it's so dumb because like these, like these the whole basis of hockey culture is standing up for your teammates and you're a team and you guys are quote unquote brothers or whatever. But that doesn't show up the moment anyone gets questioned or anything that comes out of the norm. or It's just, yeah, I don't know. That is just That just pisses me off the most because Logan Couture's captain. You mentioned this off the top, that he's the captain of the San Jose Sharks. I didn't even know that. I <laughs> thought he was like an alternate or something. No, he's the captain of that team. And it's just, yeah. it's well, fucked up.
1: Well, yeah, as I said, you know, apparently there was a sna- uh, a mix-up where he thought Terry Sloan of sports night. I don't know anything about <laughs> I, don't know I think she about, liked
2: the tweet. I think she liked the tweet yeah, or something. Yeah, I don't
1: know anything about Sportsnet or TSN or whatever no. you know, here, here in the States. But apparently, you know, he threatened to deny access to Sportsnet. I'm like, oh, no. The, the captain of the San Jose Sharks, who, you know, were, I guess, the 2nd or worst uh, third-worst team in the league. They Like, they didn't even make the bubble. Like, like <laughs> your, your, team, your team isn't even on the radar. Like, this was – if their team was to be on the radar, this was the year to do it when, like, the 49ers who made the Super Bowl were, like, okay and not playing and uh, the Warriors were down and all that stuff. Like, you're not even relevant in your home market. So, to threaten, <laughs> to threaten a sports writer who was not even responding to you or saying I will pull access from you is, like, the ultimate example of, like, just missing missing the entire mark. Like, you brought attention to yourself. You made yourself a victim. Whether whatever happened or not, you completely missed a mark on the moment. Um, and that stands in very stark contrast uh, to obviously uh, the big news of the day, which is uh, the NBA players uh, decided collectively to boycott the games, the playoff games that were uh, slated to play today at the time of this recording. Um, and so obviously this is a historic moment. Um, you know, This is not related to a financial strike or, or anything like that or a walkout uh, for you know, new or CBA, um, but in protest of uh, social justice issues. Um, And I said on my Twitter account, uh, I was listening to a podcast a few weeks ago, I think the Bill Simmons podcast, where he's mentioning a conversation with uh, Bill Russell, uh, NBA legend, 11-time champion, saying the day after Martin Luther King was shot, they were in the middle of a playoff series in April of 1968. And he called Wilt Chamberlain, who was the other guy, uh, the other star on the team, uh, and asked him, like, should we we not do this? Should we not play? Um, And they decided to make the decision to play. Uh, for a variety of reasons. It was obviously a different landscape back then for black athletes. They made a decision to play, and uh, on this podcast, he said, that was the biggest regret I had in my career. Like, no one wanted to be there. Everyone's mind was somewhere else. This prominent, you know, the most prominent civil rights leader of all time died the day before, and many of these athletes knew him personally, uh, because uh, as much as people like to say, (laughs) you can't stick to sports, uh, particularly if you're an athlete of a marginalized community, uh, you're part of the protest, you're part of the movement, no matter if you want to be or not. Um, and so they had the regret that they did not take the stance. And so the NBA players did that. Uh, we just found out a few minutes ago that uh, major league baseball players, uh, I guess, in, uh, in solidarity have also decided to boycott or, or uh, not play in games today as well. NHL is moving right along. I, I've been watching <laughs> – I, I was watching the Flyers-Islanders uh, game, seeing uh, Anson Carter, who's a blocked sports guy uh, – uh, a black analyst uh, for the NHL network or NBCSN or whatever, uh, but seeing if they were asking him a question or hopefully all of the panelists a question, no mention of it whatsoever. Uh, why? Uh, when do you think the NHL is ever going to step up to the plate and be proactive in a situation like this?
0: Oh, wow. That is, I'm just trying to think like, I really don't know if it'll ever really happen because again, we're lacking, we're lacking so many voices in the NHL who are black, who are of color. You're only really going to see these scattered moments where a couple of guys here and there keep doing it. I'm not, really, I'm not really sure to be quite honest as to when we're going to see it happen because we're lacking black voices in hockey in general. That's the way that the game is built. We don't have those voices who can really come together and say, hey, let's unify and do this. Because like, there's still so many teams who are going to say, or people, well, this doesn't bother me. Why should I care? And until that mentality changes in hockey, we'll see no change. Will it be in a year, five years? 10, 20? Who the hell knows, to be quite honest, guys?
2: Yeah, I have no idea either what it's going to take. I think there's a thread I saw on Twitter where uh someone asked, like, what's it going to take for the HL to boycott uh, anything? And, like, there's a lot of really funny responses in that, including, like, escrow <laughs> and, like, cocaine and, like, whatever, <laughs> whatever, 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 a bunch of memes. Wonder.
1: Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So,
2: uh, like,
0: they,
1: they won't get to play the 2020 2020- – for 2022 Olympics or something like that, or yeah. you know, they make the nets bigger or whatever. Like, it 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 is so... It, I don't you know. know. It, and to give context to this, you know, as I said, before we started recording, you know, this is the situation with Jacob Blake uh, and the shooting that happened the other day is personal <laughs> for me. You know, I, as I mentioned on Twitter, I, my uh, family members know Jacob Blake and they know his family. I uh, grew up, you know, near my hometown. Uh, A lot of my friends and family live near uh, Kenosha, Wisconsin, where this happened. I used to work right next to uh, Kenosha for two years. Uh, So I know this area intimately. And so to see what happened on Sunday uh, sort of act out, I was like, you know, that particular situation could have happened to anybody, you know, myself included, that I know. And, And the thing that is most relevant to me and particularly uh, as it relates to the NBA players, uh, you know, the team that decided to begin these boycotts, the Milwaukee Bucks, are uh, less than a 20, 30-minute drive from the location of the shooting. Uh, one of the players, Sterling Brown, was actually <laughs> uh, assaulted by police and a very questionable stop and I believe was injured as a result. Um, this was not long after Tavo Cephalosha, a player for the Atlanta Hawks at the time, I believe, was assaulted by the NYPD. Um, and had his ankle broken and missed uh, missed the rest of the season uh, in a very questionable uh, stop. And so, just the fact that this is such a a touchpoint issue for black athletes in particular, where people are saying, "Well, they have money, they have privilege. Why they're complaining about uh, about the system that enables them to live these particular lives?" And I don't. And what I think those people either don't understand or refuse to accept is that you know, making a lot of money, you know, being privileged, being in the accepted into the financial realm that they are in does not necessarily predicate you being a a black individual in America or Canada. Um, And so that will follow you no matter where you go until racism is uh, sort of absolved uh, in both countries. And I think like when we get back to the NHL, it is once again, hey, there's always this focus. I I don't want to be a distraction. I don't want to say anything that brings attention to myself because I'm all about the team and focus on the game. And it's like, that's fine. But as LeBron James said the other night, I spend half my time focusing on the Portland Trailblazers and half my time worried about black people in America. Like you can think about two things at once. Like, uh, I don't know if y'all have ever seen SpongeBob, but there was an episode where SpongeBob was learning to be a fancy waiter and spent so much of his energy learning to be a fancy waiter that he forgot his own name and that's how I feel that NHL players operate that it's like I'm so committed to this sport this kids game that I play and get paid to do that I can't think about anything else but myself in the game I play and I just don't really understand how that is an acceptable way to go through life for a for a group of you know nearly a thousand you know individuals
2: yeah it feels like they've like lost their humanity right like yeah. they've bought into hockey and they've therefore lost their humanity. Like, look at Sidney Crosby. Like he's as much of a hockey, like he's, he's basically made for hockey in every single sense of the term of, of the word. And he says nothing. He doesn't care about anything. He's the best player in the world. And he doesn't say a single thing. He doesn't care about a single thing. He waits for everything to be covered and like blown over. And then he can just keep on going and doing his job. Like Connor McDavid, same way. Like, yeah, I completely agree with you. Like they're, just focused on one one hot thing, hockey, and you can't do that. Like when you're when you're in this world, when you're in the society, if you're part of a society, you have to be part of a society. And yeah, I completely agree with what you're saying. Like hundred percent.
0: No, I agree, guys. Yeah, you a yeah, great example. crosby's very much, you know, the hockey man, hockey man. You see with uh, you see you saw it until recently with Ovechkin. But yeah, you see, it's me, guys. Where they're all like, yeah, hockey's my my life, blood, my blood, sweat, and tears. But yeah, it's a great point. You can't only be about your sport you absolutely can care about black lives mm-hmm. you, can, you can care about improving the world improving yeah. the game when it comes to race relations you don't have to be an all hockey man and again who have been the guys who have been stepping up and doing that mainly it's been your jt browns akima Lou's, it's been Matt dumbas and the fact that it's we're seeing again only the players of color doing heavy lifting is so disappointing for progress guys
1: uh, so the as we talked about, and, and as I said, this is not to put pressure on Anson Carter. and I actually think this is relevant to the point like a lot of the a lot of the conversations and a lot of the effort that goes into solving a lot of these problems are put on the people who are being affected by the problems, not by the people who are causing them. and so mm-hmm. uh, the the fact that uh you know, when we look at people we be looking into Anson Carter to take a stance, or, you know, they'll ask Ryan Reeves tomorrow when they they go to Night's Play about his thoughts and all that stuff, and it's like, is that burden being shared equally? This was actually a conversation I had with, you know, several individuals, uh, uh, individuals of color who are working in, you know, front office operations uh, across various leagues, Um, and they were talking about as these uh, movements and moments were happening, you know, they're being asked to be involved in diversity discussions and so on and so forth, and it's like, that's great, but I have a like actual job to do. I have like actual responsibilities outside of that. Why am I the only one being tapped for this? And so, uh, just a few minutes ago, Kenny Smith of Inside the NBA walked off the set uh, uh, mm-hmm. in solidarity with the players and said that you know he's like you know I, I probably shouldn't be here right now. Um, it, interesting enough, the dynamics of the others who like individuals on the set, Charles Barkley and, and Shaq, decided not to walk off. That's a whole different story for a different day. But when you look to that particular situation, it is. Ultimately saying, like, and this is something that comes up quite often, it's like, ultimately, like, where do you sort of draw the line? Where do you sort of spread that burden, first off, between, you know, allies and and people who are affected by this? But then also, as a person of color, where do you decide to say, I have to take a stance, I'm not going to participate in this system that is oppressive, that is supporting oppression, that is ignoring oppression every day? How do you sort of navigate that, Uh, you know, do you do you two see any player or I, I I don't even know who else, Kim Davis? Do you see any of them sort of taking the, the lead to sort of make that? I, I wouldn't expect a white player to do and I definitely don't expect the white executive, but do you see any players sort of making that personal sacrifice to say this is not something I'm gonna stand for?
0: Um, I feel like
2: the best way for anything to happen in the NHL is probably from the corporations that are like around it and within it like for example sportsnet tsn nbc right those corporations that broadcast the games if they have if they get the if their if their employees which are you know media members and broadcasters if they can uh, say more and push the players more and do it from their angle i think if they can feel if they feel like they're gonna lose money or whatever because everything is about money with with corporations, right? Like if they feel like they're going to lose money, if they, you know, say broadcast a game or play a game when everyone else is boycotting. And if it looks bad on them as broadcasters, maybe they'll do something. I don't expect anything from the NHL themselves. I expect maybe some players to do it, but you know, of course it'll just be players of color and black players, especially. I I don't know. I, I really, I'm, I'm really not sure. I, the only way I can think of to get the NHL to move is to go for their wallets and to, make them care about it because they'll lose money otherwise. I, I don't know another way, uh, like you said.
0: Yeah, Hardell's right. That's the big thing. It's going to come down to money, be it the sponsors, you know, be it the Lays, be it the Pepsis, putting the pressure on. That is when you will see things change. Because if you have a point in which you've got the NBA saying they won't play, you've got NFL teams boycotting practice, MLB not playing, Major League Soccer, Jolie Altidore right now is asking on Twitter to MLS, what are we going to do? if they're all saying we're not doing anything and the nhl is still pressing forward you're gonna get those sponsors saying there's a terrible look you guys gotta shut down too you can't try and press on and push
1: past racism like you've been doing for 102 years completely yep so here's and so here's my not devil's advocate but here's probably where my counterpoint is going to lie with all of this so i think And I've said this and and I, as I've said before, I've had actual conversations with Kim Davis um, and she had a uh, conversation today with uh, uh, Renee Hess uh, from black girls hockey club and Shireen uh, Ahmad of the burning down pod um, today uh, with the government of Canada, which is, uh, you know, really interesting. Um, And a point was made that the NHL would have to be willing to sacrifice a certain segment of the fan base to, uh, uh, to take a stand on these issues with the hope that not only ultimately at the end of the day, even the NBA stances on this, like the official league stances on this are all driven with the business context. You know, they know that majority uh, other other fans are people of color. Um, they know that it is a more liberal leaning sport in comparison to like football or hockey. Uh, and so therefore being able to take these stances are just what's good for business for them. The, I, I, what I'm concerned about is if we look at another example, Barstool, which had several incidents <laughs> in the past couple of months, uh, particularly Dave Portnoy, the founder, um, being caught on video saying the N word repeatedly, and then feigning solidarity with his uh, with his black employees, and then calling them out when, or, or you know, cursing them out and insulting them when they called him out for his sort of hypocrisy. Um, and, and they've sort of made a lane by embracing this alternative, I guess, point of view that yes, you know, sports are meant to be escape and know this anti-pc culture is ruining it and all that stuff i I guess the point i'm trying to make is i I think there is a universe where the NHL just says like is it really worth us worth it for us to do this like i don't think it is like i think they appeal to a certain segment of the population and i think scaring out that segment of the population is much more of a risk than it is embracing black lives matter you know anti-police like brutality protests and all that because that Portion of the population that supports those particular movements is not likely to watch hockey anyway, and so I think unfortunately all of this is for show uh, from the NHL standpoint, uh, and, and, and that's what I'm really concerned about. Do you guys think that's the case, or or maybe I'm i I'm just being yeah. very pessimistic right now?
2: No, I agree. I think you're right in the, in that um, way of thinking because when the NHL first did their quote unquote pro, like like displays of solidarity or whatever, they did it for a few minutes so that a certain segment of their fans can see it and be proud of it and that the other segment of their fans can ignore it. And then the games went on and everyone kind of went back to their normal way. Like they do, they say one thing to one group and they say another thing to another group and therefore they cover all their bases. I completely think that's kind of how they're doing it and everything is a show for them. And as long as they don't like piss off anyone too much, they're fine. According to them, Um, man, I don't know. I feel like, uh, I, I, I'm i not I'm really not sure like I, I, I still think there is a way for the media to push this harder and to speak up more because I know that they they need to make sure that they're saying the right things as well because uh, they're major companies and they oh man it's so tough it's so tough because I really don't believe any of these people are going to do anything until I see it and I'm not seeing anything so it's hard for me to kind of visualize and figure out what specifically can go on until something really happens
0: you know you know i agree with the point on the fact that there are these people who you know the the barstool crowd that the nhl still wants to hang on to i mean great example mm-hmm. is the whole uh, moment of ref- or moment of reflection which is going to happen in, in toronto Edmonton. <laughs> a moment of reflection really that's no the
2: reflecting
0: your big toe into the water and saying see activism right there
2: that's enough activism for today
0: nope it's true
1: it's ridiculous guys no yeah and 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 that's the part that to me is just like like i much rather you not do anything like that to me is like why i jokingly but not jokingly appreciate the idiocy of individuals like tony d'angelo and and logan couture and and the several like individuals have been caught like putting their foot in their mouths over the past couple months because i can at least see that coming through i can I I know where they stand on these issues, and they're not going to feign uh, support uh, for you know equality for me as a black man to exist you know in this world because I I know where they stand, and therefore I can avoid it. I, I I can take the right mitigating actions to avoid that scenario. The biggest concern I have, and this is exactly what I talked about on my article for Raw Charge, plugging that. Uh, uh <laughs> go, go check out that blog. It, it's it's really good. Uh, uh but specifically i cited the movie get out uh and i, I told uh, uh tanya the one of the, the founding editors uh, of the blog to to check it out she said she hadn't watched it yet and i was like you have to watch it because it encapsulates what the biggest fear of many black people is uh particularly in america is not necessarily a kkk you know clan like outside of your house burning across like that's something that you can see and avoid or at least call out like you could bring attention to that and say, this is happening. This is not right. And people are like, yeah, that's not right. We don't agree. That's the George Floyd video. What is the bigger concern is that feigned acceptance of what your humanity is and what you deserve as a human being within, you know, America and Canada and saying, Oh yeah, saying all the right things and not believing a single word of it and not doing anything about it because you're as a black person, as a person of color, as a woman, as an LGBTQ individual, you're wasting your time and energy trying to convince that person to support your cause, and you realize there's never a point where they're going to support you. And that's literally the sort of turning point of that movie. The scary part of that movie is because mm-hmm. the the family saying, you know, I voted I would have voted for Obama three times, all that stuff. You think you have an ally and then they stab you in the back. And I think that's explicitly what I was calling out in the article uh, when it comes to JC Brown, where you know, they feigned acceptance, they feigned an alliance. And then when the time comes to actually take a stand, they refuse to do so. And I think like that to me is the biggest disappointment I've seen. And I've called out, you know, I've been very hesitant to call out uh, Kim Davis and Gary Bettman and the efforts that her team has done. And I don't think it's Kim Davis's fault, but I do think it is, here's our way to give us cover to not do the things that we actually need to do. And we're going to continue to uh, put this out there to create, a a facade of, of doing the right thing but we're never actually going to get to that point and I think like that to me is where I, I have the biggest concern so anyways I, outside of that I I guess the the other question I have for both of you is going back to the NBA sort of where do you think where do we go from here with the with the NBA boycott do you think that they will continue to do this do you think that other sports maybe the NFL in particular will take it you know, uh, sort of take out the mantle. So sort of where do you see this going from here?
0: I, I think for the NBA, I personally think that we're going to see more teams using NBA. I think we're looking potentially at a season shutdown. I think we've watched a lot of the last NBA basketball personally, because they're having meetings with every team on board and all players from all teams are feeling the same way. It's not just, it's not just the bucks or just the Raptors. It's a group thing. So I personally think we're going to see the end of the season here in the NBA, but Football, maybe not a full season shutdown. You might see a boycott here and there in football. Same for baseball. But you're going to see more of these sports going to say, hey, you know what? We're going to start using our voices even more so now. Everyone else except the NHL. I'm going to and I mentioned NHL. MLS too has been a major player in using their voices as well, too. They deserve a lot of praise. So I could see MLS having a few games postponed too to make a statement.
1: Yeah, I agree.
2: I feel like. Um... That we might then it, the NBA is going to push hard to try and get games back in some way and find a way to, you know, listen to the players that are currently protesting right now and find a way to get things going again. I don't know if if it'll happen. I hope the players keep like sitting down and staying home and not, not playing. Um, I know there's a lot of, a lot of tension right now in the, in the NBA, in the NBA, um, like the players are tired of being in the bubble and like they know that this isn't a very very important thing to to do and uh i think Adrian Wojnarowski was talking about they might cancel uh the three games tomorrow as well and we'll see where it goes from there yeah I, i'm just i'm i want to i wonder what happens until like until we get some changes in like actual government policy um i know what happened i know the Milwaukee Bucks were talking to the Wisconsin attorney general and their lieutenant governor um, right when they were uh, about to protest, they were on the phone, they were trying to call them. Uh, and it, they, they turned out, I think they turned out to get, to get them. And um, yeah, I wonder, I wonder how far this goes and what their demands are uh, and where this kind of ends up. I want, the NBA has a lot of money in this, same with the NHL with their bubble. Like we we talk about, we hear a lot about how the uh, the NHL is spending a lot of money to, Make these games go on. The NBA isn't spending a little bit either; they're spending a fair chunk as well. So they're going to want games to come back. But I don't know. It, it might just hit a point where they do enough to appease the players, and then they come back. Or I'm not. I, man, I'm. I still don't really believe what's happening today. I'm still kind of stuck,
0: right? <laughs> like with that
2: disbelief. Like I can't imagine this going where it's going, and I, I don't believe what I'm seeing. It's it's insane. I I. I really can't put a. I can't really wrap my head around it right now.
1: So, and I'll say this from not a hockey fan, but from just a black man in America. Mm-hmm. Um, in some way, you know, my parents, both my parents have been working in the nonprofit space for my whole life. I used to be a former teacher on the south side of Chicago, where I saw a lot of violence in, in those communities I worked in, and all that stuff. And the part that keeps coming back to it, and as I, you know, I, I'm willing to take a stance on this, and and, and you know, I might not appeal to everybody on on Twitter, but I have to I have to live this life. Like, it's not something that's you know I I can't put out a tweet about it and then go live something differently. Like, this is the life I have to live. Like, unfortunately, at the end of the day, like even and I was talking about this. I have a group of friends on a on a group chat, and we talk every week. Uh, my friends from college, about eight or nine of us on the group chat. Um, and we had a video call about it yesterday, and we were speculating whether this would happen yesterday. Um, and the question was, well, if the players do decide to sort of take a stance and boycott. What will that ultimately change? And, and as you said, they reached out to the Wisconsin Attorney General. Uh, the they have been making repeated calls during the bubble, the NBA players, uh, to reach out to the Kentucky uh, Attorney General um, to see if they can push forward some uh, movement to get the uh, killers of Breonna Taylor arrested. And you know, the response from that individual was, "I'm going to speak at the Republican National Commission. That won't be pressured into doing this." act that I feel like is driven by politics and X, Y, Z. I, and ultimately at the end of the day, like, it was very like revealing to me because I remember being uh, of a younger age, 10 years ago, uh, we went to protest at the Supreme Court uh, for affirmative action in in support of that. Uh, So we took a bus, we drove for, you know, 10 hours uh, to go protest out in front of the Supreme Court. Um, And what I realized and and someone pointed out to me that day is like, you know, racism is 400 years deep in this country. you're not going to change it, uh, overnight. Um, the most relevant example is uh, during the Occupy Wall Street protests, uh, which is probably the most sustained, uh, level of protest in America prior to, to this most recent slate. Uh, I was actually interviewing with the investment bank uh, and they're processing outside, you know, Goldman Sachs and Barclays and, you know, uh, what what's, what's the Canadian banks, uh, RBC and Social Bank, all those places. And the guy looks out the window who I was talking to and he says, yeah, I'm going to be a rich lot longer. These people are going to be angry. And I think like that to me is a perfect encapsulation of not my skepticism around what the NBA players are doing. I I am fully supportive of them using their platforming in place in society to try to affect change. The concern I have is that that is only a drop in the bucket of, of the work that needs to be done. Uh, it, is, it is not only a money or resource thing. It is a time and effort thing. Like the civil rights movement, we learned so much about it that, Martin Luther King came around and everything was fixed within like five years. And so it was like, that was a hundred year process. <laughs> that was like a was like a 10 year struggle of that version of the civil rights movement on top of another 90 years before that after the end of the civil war. And I think for our generation in particular, I think we get so caught up in seeing everything happen so rapidly and moving so quickly that we assume that these things, even these very grand grandiose gestures are going to make a change. And so the concern I have coming out of this is that NBA players said yesterday, like we came here, we played with the understanding that these things will change and get somebody else was shot. And I was like, I don't know if you thought that you playing basketball and scoring 50 points a game would stop someone from getting shot. <laughs> you, you you know, the, the police officer that shot Jacob Blake was not thinking about Donovan Mitchell going out for 51 the other night, or, you know, LeBron having a triple double. That's not what they were thinking about. And so as important as athletes are in society, I do think they, we overstate their impact on like the sort of real life issues, but I do think it's still important. I don't know. I mean, do y'all agree or disagree? I went on like a long rant here.
2: No, I I agree. Like they're not, they're not in charge of policy in any of the governments that that'll come down to like the election and voting and those things that are very important to democracy. I completely agree. I wonder if right now the players are, I know Fred Van Van Vliet was talking about how like, he can't play in this situation. So maybe that's as far as we can, as we can expect them to go because, you know, if you, if in your gut in your heart, you're, you, you're thinking you can't play, then you can't play and you shouldn't play. Um, and maybe that's as far as this goes. It probably is, but it's still an important step. And these players should be allowed to, to make that step uh, and to make that, make that heard because, you know, we can't, uh like belittle or marginalize trauma, right? Black trauma that is so important uh, in uh, like understanding um, all these disparities and uh, equality and justice and all that stuff. Um, I'm not a black person. I'm I'm a brown kid in Mississauga. I don't know. I'm I'm only trying to learn as much as I can, and I'm I'm really appreciative to have you two on as well. Uh, yeah, I guess all I can really do is vote and tell people to vote and share these stories and speak up. And I, I hope maybe these players are also thinking that's that's what they can do as well. And um I hope it's helping. I hope it's changing hearts and minds. But like like a lot of people said after uh the murder of George George Floyd, like if you're not on board now, when are you ever going to be on board? Right. Uh, to people who aren't on board right now. Like it kind of feels like if you're not on the boat, you're where where are you? Like you're you're kind of just you're you're over there and there's no way you're coming back over here. So I don't know. Uh, I appreciate your insights on these.
0: No, it's true. And you mentioned how uh, people say how, you know, um, we got to vote. Make sure, make sure you know who you're voting for, what they're supporting to <laughs> vote to, because yeah. Yeah. you can vote for anyone and expect change to happen. There's people out here who are still, you know, saying, yeah, I'm down for the players protesting. I'm down for this, that, and the third. But when it comes time for uh, November, they're out here saying, you know, I'm going to vote for Trump. Or in Canada, they're saying they're going to go out here and support uh, Andrew Scheer, who, if Americans don't know, is a conservative um, or was a conservative leader. And now it's Aaron O'Toole, who is also equally as bad. But yeah, you can't, people are going to be out here voting and still voting for conservatives, uh, policies, and whatnot. There'll be no change if you stay on that line of status quo and all you do to really help, really help change is throw a black filter on your Instagram page and say, i stand with you, black men or black women, <laughs>
1: Yeah, and I guess I'll summarize that, that thought. And I've had conversations online and offline over the past couple of months with, you know, white reporters, white executives, you know, uh, you know, players and stuff. Uh, you know, I was doing research for my story on racial discrimination. And by <laughs> this was a story I had been working on or thinking about for a while before, you know, George Floyd happened and became very appropriate, you know, just in the moment. Um, and we were talking about it. And I was explaining to them, like, uh, it's, it's a hardest point you know you, even if you're not black you know the important part of the conversation there was another story obviously the other big story that we didn't discuss uh and, and don't have time to discuss right now is the story about the washington football team and uh, more allegations about uh gender discrimination within the organization and stuff um and it does not require you to have a black friend or a black teammate or be a you know black individuals to care about these issues the same way it does not require you know me to as a father of a, a of a newborn daughter to say oh I care about women being discriminated in sports or in any walk of life and I think like that's the part that's missing oftentimes where people are like well I have this personal connection I have a, you know a yellow pinata to reach out to or Avery or hard of to ask these questions and understand yeah. more it's like yeah you can you can take that initiative on your own you don't need to have us in place to do that for you but what I also said to them is like it's also a domino effect. You know, the the sports writers that I reach out to and talk to or who have reached out to me, people are, you know, the people, who, the barstool guys are likely not going to listen to me because I call their founder a piece of shit and a coward every <laughs> five seconds and I say, to Tony D'Angelo I will whoop his ass on site if I ever see him. Those people aren't <laughs> likely to listen to me. Like, like the, the, the challenges out there, like anybody can take me up on it, but they're not likely to listen to me, but they are more likely to listen to those individuals with Clout, you know, Greg Wyshynski on ESPN, or, you know, whoever it may be, you know, American, uh, you know, Elliot Friedman, if they bring these issues up on, on their podcast, they're more likely to give credence to those particular things. And so all I can do is hope to change those individuals who I'm tangential to, and hope that they can sort of pass it forward. And I think that's, all that the NBA players can do is that there are people who are saying, oh, well, I won't watch any NBA games. Like, you were really watching them before? Like, come the fuck home. <laughs> uh, and so I think ultimately at the end of the day, that's all you can do is just, like, hopefully there's a domino effect. Because as we saw with a lot of other social movements, women's rights, uh, you know, uh, the civil rights movement, uh, the right to uh, gay marriage, like, that wasn't an overnight thing. You know, people did just wake up one day and said, you know what, I was tripping about those gay people before, but now, you know, I think they deserve a second chance. Like, no, it was a it was a progressive thing over time, and I think like ultimately that's all we can ask for. That's all you can expect, and we hope the same thing happens in the NHL, where the black players talk to their more receptive white teammates. Their white teammates sort of uh, com- uh, convert their more uh, conservative white teammates, which converts uh, the coaches and executives who are bringing these people on and making the final decisions. And ultimately, you go to the top of the pyramid. But I mean, the skepticism of whether it will happen overnight, you know probably not happening anytime soon uh maybe not even in our lifetime but you know we can only we can only hope for progress going forward but uh any last thoughts quickly uh to to lighten it up a bit uh any quick thoughts on uh who's your stanley cup pick uh now that we're halfway through if the season even decides to go on
0: uh, if the season ends, I'm going to go with the Vegas Golden Knights. I still feel that they are too deep of a team to be soft right now. This is a team that, can be any, 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 any given night, you can rely on someone like a Mark Stone, Max Pacioretty, even on the back end, guys like Nate Schmidt, so on and so forth. That is still a team I feel that has enough guns to win a tennis Cup. I know they lost game two, but that was a minor setback, I feel. I think they're going to come back and win this series against Vancouver in maximum six games in my mind.
2: The Lightning are due. The Lightning <laughs> are due. They, they, they deserve this cup for a while. They are due. They deserve it. They've, they've gotten this far without Steven Stamkos. I think they're going to be able to beat the Bruins. They'll probably get him back at some point. Like, they, they deserve a cup more than any other team right now. And, um, yeah, I hope they get it. I hope we can see them win it. Win it.
1: Yeah, uh, I'm going to have to put the Avalanche. You know, to be honest, I don't, <laughs> I don't care anymore at this Man, point. Man, the
2: Avalanche are going to get swept. It really swept.
1: <laughs> I mean, great. You know, they haven't been
2: anywhere in the in the Dallas Stars series. They've been oh, nowhere.
1: Yeah. I mean, the NHL touts. Uh, you know, even the writers tout that the first round is the most important round because that's when the upsets happen. Uh, because yeah. they have not. You know, they they can't guarantee that LeBron's gonna make it to the finals like every year. Or other biggest stars, Carmy David always gets flamed out in the first round. You know, Sidney Crosby's not there, so they sort of put all the. That's how they set up the playoff bracket is to get all the big matchups happening as early as possible because they don't know who's going to make it through uh and so we're already well past the point where I normally care about the NHL playoffs and now with all this stuff happening in the NHL stance I'm like yes I'm done uh happy to pick up on I've been watching a lot of wrestling which is also very racist but you know uh (laughs) Rock and Stone Cold have been keeping me very entertained for the past couple of months so so yes, well, I will thank you both uh, for the time and energy uh, that you all have invested into sort of talking about this topic. Obviously, this is a very fluid and uh, uh, fast-moving situation, so everything could be up. In, who knows? They may cancel the rest of the games. I highly doubt it. Uh, uh, playing tonight, but really thank uh, both of you. Uh, where can people find you all on Twitter?
2: Uh, yeah, they can find me on uh, Twitter at hardevlad. H-A-R-D-E-V-L-A-D. It's my first and last name. Uh, I write for Punch Plan Puppets, Raw Charge, and Malhe Hockey. Um, so you can find me on there, all the estimation sites. And, uh, man, I really do hope we get to see change within our lifetimes because sooner, better than later.
1: <laughs> yeah. All right, and Avery?
0: You can find me on Twitter at Avery A V R Y on one word. You can find my work on WorldSReg Avery Sports Show, The Brian Avery Hour, and on Sky Sports as well. Ooh,
1: that's awesome, man! That's uh, very nice. Well, well, thank you both. Uh, yeah, definitely uh, go check both of the guests out today. Uh, I'm going to try to put this out as soon as possible because I normally take forever to edit this stuff, but uh, <laughs> this is very <laughs> uh, this is very timely. I'm like, all right, uh, my baby's not crying right now, so. Uh, but thanks everyone for listening to the latest episode of the Let's Do That Hockey Podcast. Uh, hope to hope to talk to you all again soon.